Welcome. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And I'm your host today, Delaine England. I'm so happy that you've joined us, and we have a great guest with us. I'm really excited to talk to him about is Gaud Maragani. Did I butcher your last name, Gaud? No, you got it right. Okay. <laughs> I've never really asked you how to pronounce your last name. So, um, so Gaud Maragani and Gaud, he is just running, I guess you're still kind of running for Salt Lake County clerk. And we're going to talk today about a few things, but first of all, we're going to talk about how, why Gaud decided to run and how he got a victory and how he is in through the, he's still in the race through the caucus convention system, which is really quite amazing. So, Gad, first of all, what made you decide to run for county clerk? Yeah, you know, so I ran the Salt Lake County GOP's Election Integrity Committee last year, and we did this deep dive into our election system, and we made grammar requests. We did interviews with current and former employees, and then we also did tours of ballot processing facilities in Salt Lake and Utah counties. Um, and we, we found different vulnerabilities, I think, in the system and improvements that we could make that I think would make our system a lot more secure and a lot more transparent. Um, and so from that, I think what I've, my own view of this is that what we want is a system, an election system that is run in a neutral manner, that it's not impacting races, and that people can come in and that we are as transparent as possible so that they, so the citizens can come and they can verify that they are comfortable with everything we are doing. So that, that's why I'm running. I think we want to get to that point where when an election happens and people see the results, they never think it's because of something the clerk's office did. They know that the clerk's office was run in a neutral manner um, because they could verify it. And the person, the best candidate won because they got the most votes. Yes, I love that. And the truth of the matter is if we don't have free and fair elections, if we can't trust them and count on them, we really don't have a country at all. We really yeah. don't have any freedom because that is one of the, the, the basis, the foundation is that we get to choose our representatives. And if we aren't really choosing our representatives, then we really don't have control over our country. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Everything starts with your elections. It really does. Okay, so Gout, in Utah, we have this system called the caucus convention system, and it really is really amazing. And I just will say that every state at some point had the same system or a similar system, and they've gradually over the years just literally of their own free will have given it up. But Utah has been one of the last states to hang on to it. We've had some holes shot through it, but we still do have the caucus system. So tell us your experience of going to your precinct caucus meeting. Yeah, um, so this this is my first time going through the caucus system. 
And so I am both a county and state delegate. And then it's also my first time going through this as a candidate. And I'll tell you that I have a newfound appreciation for the whole thing, because if you think about it, and I think you're kind of you're, you're kind of getting at this is like when the press talks about the caucus system, they always say negative things about it. They do. Um, yeah, that it's it, not enough people get involved. And, and, and look, on that point, I want to say I think more could be done to get more people involved because I actually live in Riverton and I will say at my precinct caucus, I think we had eight people that showed really? up. And that, yeah. And, and that's not a lot because Riverton is actually a very Republican area. We should have had a lot more for my precinct. But so I think there's more that, more that could be done to get more people out. But as a candidate, I think the caucus system is amazing. Um, I, I had meet and greets and cottage meetings continuously from the time that we filed basically until the convention. We had delegates showing up and staying for the entire meet and greet and for the entire cottage meetings, like more than an hour. I would, get, I would talk for maybe five or 10 minutes and then they would ask questions. And it was so impressive because it was very clear that they were knowledgeable about the issues that they understood um, what they, what they are looking for. Like they, it's not, they study your, your positions. They ask you questions. They challenge you. I learned a lot from it because I understand better now what, what the citizens are looking for and what would make them more happy. It helped me actually make some of my proposals better. As an example, uh, one of my proposals is that we're going to do regular audits of the election system. And, you know, I, I come from a private sector background, at least partly, and in my job, we do audits all the time so that we can learn what is and is not working. And then we can make continuous improvements to our system. It's not controversial. But in one of our the cottage meetings, I had a, had a delegate say, well, can you include poll watching and try to design them to have poll watching? And I was I think I was like, that's a great suggestion. Yes, we can do that. So it helped me refine different proposals and make them better and make them more responsive to what people are looking for. And I think like that's a real big benefit of the caucus process is you can get a deep vetting of candidates. So I just don't see that ever happening in a primary system because you have so many more people that you have to talk to and you're doing much quicker hits compared to these long meetings. I I had one cottage meeting that literally went for three hours. Um, And it was amazing because, like I said, the questions, the caliber of the questions, if people knew the questions that people were asking, I think they would totally change their mind. And those delegates are going back to their neighborhoods and their precincts, and they're talking to their neighbors. They're finding out what their neighbors are concerned about and what they're interested in, and they're bringing those to the candidates. Um, And I thought that was was something I didn't realize before. Um, And I'll just say, so my parents actually came to town. They live in San Diego. So... Think about like California, they are, um, they're constantly inundated with Republicans are racist, Republicans are bad. My dad came to some of the meeting greets with me and they both came to the convention. At the end of that, uh, my dad actually told me that he is going to register as a Republican because he didn't realize that it's such a wonderful grassroots party. Uh, So like I was really, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional because it was very touching, but like. I just was really amazed. Like he saw that based on his interactions with people and how people were interacting with me. And that's like an amazing thing. And I wish so many more people could be a part of that. 
You know, that is such a great point, Gal, because we get painted with this really ugly brush that we're all racist, and it's so ridiculous because there isn't anything about our platform or the people in our party that is racist. We're really not at all. We're very, we don't really, we just don't even want race to be an issue. We want everybody of every race to come and be included, create value, share your value, and be a part of this great land, this great country, and, and have freedom and enjoy freedom. The same regardless of your race, regardless of your sex, regardless of your personal choices. Come and be part of this great community and this great country that we have. Such great principles. Yeah, That's- and I wish more people would be able to be exposed to that because it is a grassroots party. It is normal, everyday people. Salt of the earth is what it is. You know, and, and the contributions they're making for to make our country better and to make our community better is something you I don't think you'd get in a primary process. You know, you brought up so many great points because how can you do a deep dive? How can you ask any questions when you hear a radio spot or mostly you're getting flyers in the mail? You might get an email or a text, but you can't really have a communication. You can't do a deep dive. You cannot bet a candidate based on a postcard or even a radio spot commercial. And so this is, you've you've nailed it, the secret sauce, the magic in the caucus system, the convention system, is the ability that delegates, elected representatives, have to vet people who are running to represent them. Because I am a delegate myself, and as a delegate, I can ask, I can look into their eye, I can ask them any question I want to, and I can hold their feet to the fire, and I have other delegates around me who are asking these great questions as well so i'm learning from them they're learning from my questions and then we also are witnesses to what the candidates say so if you tell me that you're going to work on on election integrity um then i can hold you to that i can hold you accountable to that but i've never heard you say it then how can i hold you to it so that it's really it is such an incredible system and I agree, we, we do need to do more work to get more people involved, make sure they know. Um, but everyone in the entire state is invited and welcome to go and attend their caucus system. Nobody is constrained not to or not invited. Everybody's welcome. Yeah, right. And I think some of it may have just been, we maybe need to do better advertising. Yes. Um, and people just need to, yeah, so they just get the word out about, you know, what this is and how you can be involved and how valuable it is to be a part of that. Because I think those one-on-one contacts that people get to have with candidates, if they knew about it, a lot more people, I think, would want to be delegates. Um, I will I will say that I thought, um, yeah, like I said, I just think this is, this is valuable and we need to keep this system and we need to keep it in place. And I also thought the conversation was very elevated because I had a primary opponent um, we were talking about issues and we were talking about issues at a high level and driving the conversation and, and, and helping people, I think, understand like how we can approach these issues in very workable ways that will attract voters in the general election. And just as an example, I got a lot of concerns about the machines that are used to count votes. Um, and I, I heard it from, from the delegates and then I also had even IT professionals come to me who were delegate. One was a delegate, one was a Democrat, expressing concern about, about these computers and our ability to verify them. So, like, 
I had one IT official tell me it has millions of lines of code in it. We can never verify all those. One person cannot verify those lines of code. So there is a potential backdoor. Another guy told me, the Democrat was like, you know, you cannot actually shut off the access of these computers to the internet because they all have modems built in. So we need to find a better way to do this. When I was talking to delegates about it, you know, what I found is that they want to be a part of the process of verifying the machines. And one of the big proposals that you hear a lot is that we'll have a third party come in and audit the software, right? Well, when I would tell delegates, well, let's say that I had, you know, President Trump come and verify that these, let's say he did the evaluation. He came and told you, these computers are perfect, no issues at all, and you should use them. Would that make you feel better? And what I got was, no, it wouldn't, because I have no idea what he did. And so, so it helped That's me develop perfect. a better proposal. Yeah, so like the proposal we came up with is we will, t- we will hand count one race every election. And the hand count, the benefit of that is everybody can watch it. You can have poll watchers. You can see we use the right process. You can be comfortable with the results. We can compare that to what comes out of the tabulator. If those numbers match, we know it worked. And I want to, and we should go into this with an open mind because we don't know what the results will be. And then if they don't match, it's my job as your clerk to find out what caused the discrepancy. And then based on what we find, propose a way forward. And again, like we should not prejudge it because we don't know what, if there is a discrepancy, we don't know what would cause it. And I think what I found is that the delegates really like that because now it is something that it's hands-on. They can be involved in it and they can actually be comfortable with understanding how this complicated machine is working in a way that um, is really just, it's easy. It's just paper counting. We can all understand it. Well said. That is so true because the more that they, more that you can get the citizens involved, the, the better off we all are, the more it serves everybody. It's definitely the highest good. And, and when people can see it and have the hands-on, they feel a lot more comfortable, they trust, and, and that is just a win-win for absolutely everybody. And then those that are in positions of power, like um, the county clerks, you have a lot more people on your team, people trust, and they trust because they have been able to verify, not blind trust. They have trust because they can verify that it's accurate. And then, like you said, you know, see, this is what's so great is the caucus system and the convention system allows so many more people to get involved. So you have so many more ideas and thoughts. And the more people are involved, the more they take ownership, the more people will get involved. The more they feel like they do have a say and that they can make a difference, the more, the more positive it is and the more people want to be a part of it. Yeah, I think you're right. And that caucus system, like I was saying with the elevated conversation, I had people that disagreed with me on issues, the big one being ranked choice voting. Um, this was an issue in the campaign where I'm against it. My opponent was for it, but I had people emailing me their reasons being for it. And it was not that what you might see on social media, like, Oh, you're, you're dumb. You don't know anything what you're talking about. It was actually like very well thought out emails explaining their position, um, and saying, look, I disagree with you on this, but, uh, but I'm still, I still voted for you. And so but what it made me realize is like you can have these really good conversations. You can disagree on issues. But no one's, you're never going to find a candidate that's 100%. Um, and what was nice, though, is to be able to actually have these really intelligent conversations with delegates over email even where they're, 
explaining their position and you read it and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. That's fine. Um, and I don't know if that would even happen in a primary system because again, I can't, you would not have the time to be able to do that type of a response um, to way more people and a bigger audience. Exactly. You wouldn't have the, the ability. When you have 100,000 people or even 25,000 people in your district, depending on what seat you're, ready, you're running for, there's no way to really connect with all those people. But you can connect with a representative from their area so that you can connect with someone from every single neighborhood in your entire area, whether that is a legislative district or a Senate district or a congressional district or a county clerk district. So that it really is such a great system. It's a great design. And it is really what a republic is. It is following the design of the republic. Yeah, I do love what you were saying about elevated conversations because we're never going to agree on absolutely everything. And isn't that great? That means we're thinking and that we have our own ideas, and especially Republicans, we're not ditto people. We don't just follow along blindly and follow whoever, whatever somebody tells us to do. We are really free thinkers. So we have our own ideas. And I love this dialogue and sharing ideas because I think it makes us all better, and we do understand each other. Even if we disagree, we can understand where each other is coming from, which I think is just so valuable. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, we need that conversation. I think people are hungry for it. And they're hungry to be treated like adults um, who can make their own decisions and, you know, who are intelligent. And I found that even with some of the proposals we made, you know, there, one issue that kept coming up is mail-in voting. There is a, you know, there's a contingent on our side that doesn't like it. There's a contingent on our side that likes it. Um, And my point to people is as your clerk my job is to provide you with all of the options that the that the state legislature mandates to be able to vote every method but where i can add value i think is by telling people the pros and cons of each method of voting so that you can make a decision about what's right for you and and vote that way so like just for example like i imagine that this notice i'll put it out before every election and it would say the safest form of voting is going in person and showing your ID and voting. The next safe form of voting is taking your mail-in ballot to an in-person voting location and submitting it there. The third safest form of voting is taking your mail-in ballot and putting it in a drop box. And the least safe form of voting is taking your mail-in ballot and putting it into the postal service because I can't control, as your clerk, whether that what happens once you put it into the postal service. I can control... The other three, I can control 100%. Um, and so what I found is that voters really appreciated that the, at least the delegates, they said, this was great. Like you're because right now, the way that, that our elected officials of both parties act is it's all the same, just turn in your ballot, however you want. And there's no differences. And I don't think that's fair to voters. I think we owe them giving them more information and letting them make informed decisions for themselves about what is right in their situation. And there's all sorts of reasons why people choose different methods to vote. And it's not my job to figure out what's right for you. It's, it is your, it's your choice. I love that. So you would, your proposal is to give everyone the options, but to also give them the information about the risk of that option. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do have a question. So if we do continue with mail-in balloting, which is the highest risk, 
of fraud and of corruption. So if we do that, even if I, because I don't ever mail mine in, I always take mine. I don't even like to take it to the Dropbox. I like to take it. I like to just drive it right up to my county, which still goes in a Dropbox. But at least I feel like there's some oversight. There are poll watchers there. And so, but if everyone else does mail or a great percentage of other people do mail in, then doesn't that still leave our entire election system at risk? No, you know, the way I look at it is that we're never going to be 100%. But what we can do is we can, we can make those incremental improvements to keep on making our system better. And, we, and you want a clerk who's going to be doing continuous improvements. And I think that's where I'm very different than, than what we have going on in the clerk's office now. You will never, ever hear me say everything is perfect. We had the, you know, the best election ever and we can't make any improvements because I don't think that's true with any system run by humans. With mail-in voting in Salt Lake County, at least in the 2020 election, 50, I think it's 52, 56% of mail-in ballots were dropped into drop boxes, which is getting to my point that I, we can control that. I think there's some improvements that can be made to the security of our drop boxes because right now we do not have proper chain of custody on them in Salt Lake County. But with that notice that I put out before every election, I think what it'll do is it'll drive more, it'll encourage more voters to use the systems that I can control for them. And as your clerk, I want to be able, I want to be in that position where you are putting your ballot and getting it to my office in a method that I can guarantee to you that yes, if you put it into this ballot drop box, if you go take it to an in-person voting location, or if you vote in person at the machines, I can guarantee that your vote will get to my office. Um, and that's what I'm hoping will happen, is that we'll encourage more people to use systems that I can control because I, w- I want to be, that's the whole point of the clerk's office, right? Is that we give you the information and hope that you'll, you'll use a system that I could, I want to be able to guarantee to you like, yes, this will come to me. And I just can't do that with the postal service. Right. Because there's no chain of custody with the postal service. Yeah. You you lose that link, which is a very valuable link. Right. No, exactly. And honestly, right now with the ballot drop boxes in Salt Lake County, they don't actually have proper chain of custody. So one of our proposals is to improve that as well. And we're going to kind of model it after what they do in Utah County right now where they have an app, uh, they send out teams of two. And in my case, I'd like to have a Democrat and a Republican on those teams. I just, I want everything to be fair and to be bipartisan so that people, uh, both parties feel comfortable. We'll send those teams of two out. They'll scan that app on the box. So now we have that timestamp of when they opened it. They'll pull out the ballots. They'll seal the bag with the zip tie and then they'll weigh it on a fish scale. They'll enter that weight into the app. So now we have the weight at pickup. When they bring the bag back to the, the ballot center or the election center, we'll then uh, get another timestamp so we know how long it was driven around and we'll weigh it again on a digital scale and we'll enter that weight and compare it. I, when I talked to the elections director in Utah County, the difference between the fish scale and the digital scale will get you between one and two ballots. It's pretty accurate. Um, and then I think that makes that system much more secure um, and I can, I can then tell you, yes. If you... Okay, Gal, we need to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and we're going to finish up what, what we're talking about. Thank you. Stay with us.
Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And I'm your host today, Delaine England. We're so happy to have you join us, and I'm sure you have been on the edge of your seat because we have been really learning so many great ideas from our guest, Gaud Maragani, who is currently running for the Salt Lake County Election Office. And um, he, he has so many really great ideas on what we can do to secure our elections, to make them better. And what I love that you have been talking about, even if we have really, really great elections, we can always improve the system. And we must always be working on improving the system because that is what eternal progression is. There's always room to do better and progress. I mean, that is American. That is the American way is to always improve and do better. And once we have somebody saying our system's perfect, we can't improve, that that really brings pause to me. I'm very concerned when somebody thinks we can't improve for several reasons. But God, before we took our break, you were telling us about your ideas for making sure our system is is excellent. So please continue on with what you were saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just to finish up on the ballot Dropbox portion, yes. what what that will do is having the app, um, getting those timestamps of when you open the box and the wait at when you at pickup and wait at drop off at the election center is now you can say, yes, we have, we can now guarantee that if you drop a ballot into a ballot drop box, it will get to the election center. There's one other part of this and that is, well, we, I want to put all ballot drop boxes under 24 hour surveillance the only thing I'll say is that the state legislature actually mandated that in this last session. So, but there's still a question of how you implement it. And what I would like to do is have cameras on the ballot drop boxes that can take you to when there's activity around them. Because having a, you know, if those, if they are on the entire time when they're open, which will be about a month and you have 24 hours surveillance, that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of film to have to go through. So it would be better if we have cameras that can actually tell you when there's activity. So that way you can do kind of spot checks to see if there's any issues popping up at the ballot drop boxes. And this gets, this kind of goes to my point about continuous improvements. After these elections, we should be going through diff- like individual systems that make up the election system to just see how things operated and to see if there are areas that we can improve or we need to change because we saw something that, didn't work or we saw something that that seems like a vulnerability that needs something to change so that we can prevent that from happening again um and things like that and the the final part of this is i want to have better poll watching in general one of the things i found is that right now i went and poll watched in the municipal elections in 2021 and what was frustrating is that when we got there and i probably had six or seven volunteers come with me um there, there was not a good sense of when the clerk's office was going to engage in different activities. Um, they didn't have any schedule. Uh, at one point, they took a dinner break. And when we asked them, when will you be done with the dinner break? They had no idea. And I just think that that is not respectful of voters' time because a lot of people took the day off to be able to help with this or they took time off from work or from family obligations. So what I want to do is at least two weeks before every election, we're going to put a, a schedule uh, letting people know 
when we will be engaging in different activities. So when we'll be tabbing ballots, that's ripping off the privacy, um, the privacy cover over your signature. When we will be uh, doing signature verification, when we'll be tabulating them, when we'll be doing ballot adjudication. And that way people can, can plan ahead of time to be able to come and participate in the activities that they want to participate in. Uh, because I really believe that the more people we get involved in our elections, the better they will be. And that transparency will help improve people's faith in the results. I agree. Okay, I have a couple of questions for you. So when you were talking about the cameras on the boxes, so my understanding was that that did not pass, that we don't have, they didn't want to spend the money, that they don't want, they just said it was too, there's too many times the cameras don't work and it's way too expensive. So I thought that we passed, that they didn't pass the bill that would put cameras on all the boxes. Am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I had heard that they passed it. Uh, but I'll well, they passed that. it in the House. They passed oh. it in the House, but then okay. I, I'm quite confident because I was there that they did not pass it. Well, they, <laughs> they passed the bill, yeah. but they gutted that part out. So that is oh. some homework for both of us because I believe that when they got to the Senate, the lieutenant governor was there, and she wanted that taken out, and okay. uh, which is really interesting. She's over elections, and she did not want that, and that there was quite a bit of testimony saying – you know, they're just expensive. That would be very expensive to do. But, I mean, it's only our elections. It's not a big deal, you know. Okay, we well. Can spend, we can spend millions on all these other things, but, you know, our elections, we don't want to, we don't want to have. Yeah. That's, I, I will say anytime that somebody doesn't want to do something uh, that's elected, they always bring up budgeting. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a, it's, it's. It's an excuse I don't appreciate. Um, and I've told, what I've told voters is like, look, I'm making you proposals that I believe are, are things that we can actually implement. These are realistic because of the background I have looking at the election system. I understand it and I understand the things we can do to make it better. But if I ever hit a roadblock, I will tell you what that roadblock is and I will tell you how we'll overcome it. So if the roadblock is we need to get a law changed, I will go lobby for that with the state legislature. If the roadblock is that I need more money, I will go and justify that to the county council. But um, on this camera thing, we don't need the state. So if, they, if, if that didn't was not included in that final bill, um, we don't need their authority to do it. Uh, so my, my initial proposal still stands. We will put them under 24-hour surveillance. Uh, and like I said, I would like cameras that actually will take you to when there is motion. I think that'll help a lot in terms of the security because you see kind of what happens in other jurisdictions. Like we should learn, we should take these, these things that we see that happen in other jurisdictions and, and use them as learning experiences to make sure that they don't happen here. Because I do think in a lot of ways we have a better system than other States, but we need to improve it and make it even better and make sure that we don't, we don't want those things to come here. You want to prevent problems in the first place. Um, and so so like I said, if, when I'm clerk, we will put those under 24-hour surveillance. They will only be on when the drop boxes are open, which helps, I think, with the cost aspect of this. They don't need to be on when we're not using them, which is most of the year. Okay, yes, exactly. It's very short time. You're talking three weeks of yeah. the year that you even need them. Okay, so when you say the drop boxes are open, so does that mean like, because they're already out there, the drop boxes are already there. So if I tried to put something in right now, I would not be able to do it? It should be locked. 
Yeah. I see. So the, yeah. the place where you drop it is locked. So nothing goes in. Okay. Yeah. And then do they do an inspection before when they go to open, uh, open polling and the thought box gets open? Do they inspect it to make sure it's empty at that time? That I don't know. But there's another example of a good idea and something we should implement because they should check it before they, when they open it, they should open the box up and check to make sure it's empty uh, before they start the whole process. So that is something that I will take back and we will refine our proposal. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking, what if somebody with the key that unlocks it, stops it, or I mean, you know, something could happen in between when we don't have the cameras on and nobody's paying any attention. So we want to know that we're starting with an empty ballot box before elections start. Okay, and you learned a lot. We all learned, the entire state learned a lot about poll watching at your convention because at (laughs) my convention in Davis County, you know, and this is pretty standard. When you, you, you vote, the ballots are being taken and cast in the big auditorium where everybody's there watching. And so you have oversight because everyone is there watching. And so you really can see and then they have somebody marking your your badge or your your wristband whichever your system is and so there is oversight there but what we haven't had oversight is is from the time that they leave the auditorium and go into the ballot counting location we haven't really had poll watching there which is a huge link or um, break in the chain of custody We have a big break right there. And so we don't really know what is happening. And most of these people that are carrying the boxes are young people who really don't even understand the risk or understand really fully what maybe their job is. And then they get in to the the room where they start counting the ballots. But there's been this big space where nobody has been watching the boxes. And then in Salt Lake County, you had a very interesting um, event. Do you want to tell us about what happened there? Yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll, let me start though by saying uh, the system in Salt Lake County was a little bit different. They, um, they counted the ballots on the stage in the auditorium. Really? Everybody could see it. Yeah. So they didn't take it into a separate room. And that was just for the county clerk's race because that was all delegates could vote in that race. So when we had that, I think all the delegates were in the, in the main hall and uh, we gave our speeches, uh, me and my opponent, and then people voted. And the voting was pretty good, actually, because they did, you stood in line, they marked your credentials, and they had a person, they had three boxes, I think, and they had a person with their hand over the slot, mm-hmm. and they would, they would let you put a ballot in. It was during that time, one person was able to put two ballots into, the bo- into one of the boxes, um, and then another person tried to. And so the... The sergeant in arms was running the box where the two where the extra ballot was put in, and he caught it. But he said, unfortunately, he was too late. He wasn't able to catch it before the ballots went into the box. And so once that happens, you're not going to be able to tell which vote which one it, it is. was for. Yeah. So, and I thought on, they handled it very well because they called us both up to the stage. Um, they asked, they told us the situation, and then they asked us, "How do you do? You guys want to call for a revote?" Do you want to see if it makes a difference? We know which box that extra vote is in. Um, so we can isolate that. And if it makes a difference, we can call for a revote or you, you have these different rights. 
I mean, in this case, it didn't end up making a difference. We decided to move forward, I think, because both of us thought if you're asking almost 1,300 people to re-vote, I don't think it would end very well for anybody. Um, and plus, we didn't know like if it would have an impact. And in this case, it really didn't because I ended up winning 69% of the delegate votes. So those two votes probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. Clearly not. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, but I appreciate the point that, you know, it shows you the importance of being vigilant and then trying to learn from what happened because it didn't have an impact here. It could have had an impact in other races that happened. And so there are probably some lessons to be learned about how to handle that in the future. Uh, like I said, in this case, I thought they handled it very well. I don't, and I don't know, I wasn't there when, when the guy stuck the ballot in. So I don't know exactly how that happens. Um, and they did end up stripping both those people of their credentials. And I think one guy was actually like a precinct chairperson and a county and state delegate. And they stripped him of all those uh, positions. So you don't know who they were voting for? No, I have not. I have no idea. And, you know, I think that I think um, Nancy and I ran very good races. This, these were issue races. And so I don't know why anybody thought that was appropriate. But and I don't know who they voted for. I don't even want to speculate. I just think, you know, what they did was wrong. We both agreed it was wrong. And there was no need for that because we had, I think we had a really elevated, really good race. And I think it got people really excited about the race because honestly, we were having meetings every night and people were showing up. So, and it's a county clerk's race. This is, I would think normally a county clerk's race is probably the least interesting race you could think of, right? But I had a woman show up to one of the meet and greets, an older lady, a very sweet lady. And it was the second time I had seen her. And I remember I said, hey, I, I remember you. And she was like, yeah, you know, this is, I'm the most excited about you as a candidate in this race. Um, you guys, this is so exciting. And I just thought <laughs> to myself, like, wow, <laughs> the county clerk's race. <laughs> You know, it is exciting, and I, I would agree with you 100%. In the, in the past, you would think the county clerk is not sexy. Nobody really cares. That's not the kind of thing. It's not a high-profile position. It's not something you, you really think that much of. But I think as of late, is we are recognizing as citizens how really important the clerks are and how what your policies, your perspectives, and your Integrity matters so much to all of us, and because it is kind of flies underneath the radar, it makes it even more important because people aren't paying as much attention, and they're not being careful. So I love that she she gets it, and she's like, "This I'm so excited about this race," and and I think she was also really excited about what you've done and your credentials. But before we go there, um, I just wanted to just finish up about the poll watching. I, I do believe that one of the reasons that you were able, not you personally, but your county was able to catch these ballot drops is because that we have learned so much more and we're so much more on about training poll watchers and making sure the poll watchers know what they're doing and know what to watch for. And the fact that the sergeant in arms was able to catch it they're paying attention. They're doing their job. They're not thinking, oh, nobody at county convention. We have paper ballot. Nobody's going to treat here. Who's going to try to stuff the ballot box? 
And I, I just think that we've, we're learning from our mistakes. We're learning from our history. And I think that you talk that, you know, that Salt Lake County really did. Um, people were trained. They really took this seriously and they made sure. And I love how your chair handled that situation and how they took that and they didn't hide from it. They didn't try to, to put it under the rug and, and not, you know, it's only two people. It's not that big of a deal. I love the way they handled it. And I think they just handled it really great and gave both of you candidates. So kudos to them. I think that's, do you want, is that Chris Knoll? Yeah, it's Chris Knoll. Yeah, Chris Knoll. They did a great job. Um, I agree with you. They were fully transparent about what had happened. They, you know, they allowed the candidates to be a part of the decision-making process and they told uh, the delegates what happened too at the time. Uh, you know, and if we're all, you know, at the end of the day, since it, it, again, I think they did a very good job. I, I don't know exactly what they do differently. I think that is something to think about in the future. And then it, you know, like it got pressed coverage, which was interesting because the press seemed to think it was interesting. It was an interesting thing that happened again, the clerk's race. <laughs> right, and then there's the irony of it happening with our choice <laughs> that is so ironic absolutely which tells you everything that we really it is important and that we really do need to be right on top of every every single vote okay so um i would love to hear why you feel that you won i mean you were almost 70 percent and you had an, a challenger who is really, she's gotten great name recognition. She is a great person. I really like her. And I think she, she's she been politically active and she has a lot of, she's very respected. And so how is it that you were able to get almost 70% of the vote when people could go in and vet you and talk to you and listen to you and like you say, attend the meet and greets and really, really vet you? How did you do it? Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um... I think it, based on feedback I got from delegates, I think it was a combination of things. One was the, spe- the specifics of the proposals that I put forward. Um, they were not very general. Uh, each week we introduced new ideas and we'll have more, by the way, going forward in the general election. But And they were very specific. They were aimed at particular things and they were achievable. And I think people could see that. Um, it was also, I think people were looking for something new and different and fresh. Um, I got that from a few delegates just saying, uh, we're just looking, you know, like you're new, you're fresh. We want new ideas. We need, we need a change. Uh, people are kind of tired of the status quo. And that's not a criticism of anybody in, in particular. Um, I think actually when you talk to voters, you see it's aimed at, incumbents in both parties people are feeling like that a lot of elected officials are not being respectful of voters they're not being responsive to voter concerns and they're looking for someone who they think will do that and i think they saw that is what i what i'm telling people is these again the proposals i put forward they are realistic they are achievable they will make it each of them will make incremental improvements to our system. And I believe at the end of the day, we will, we will become the gold standard in Utah if I'm the clerk for how to run an election system in a neutral manner. And that is as transparent as possible. And I think people, that's what they're hungry for. They're hungry for those new ideas, different ways of thinking, someone with the, who can come in and, and make changes uh, and be realistic about it. 
that's what they want. And so I think that's what they saw in in my campaign and kind of my thinking about it. And and I think a lot of people also saw a lot of this was, it was very organic. You know, like I didn't I didn't enter the I didn't run the election integrity committee with any intention of running for office. I ran it because I just wanted to be able to make a difference and improve my community. And from that, I realized that the fastest way that we could improve our election system is with a new clerk and that I had the background, I think, to be able to do it, the right background that we need in the clerk. Someone, you know, like I've told people I'm a compliance attorney in my, in my job. And what that means is I go through, I study systems, I find vulnerabilities, and I'm trying to prevent problems from happening in the first place. And that's what you want in your clerk. You want them to prevent all the problems. And then when you look at the proposals we put forward, that is what they're aimed at. They're aimed at, because once the problems happen, it's too late, you can't go back. And there's no point in going back because you're just, you know, all the ballots are there. You can't change anything, but you can make sure those things don't happen in the first place. Um, and I think that's what my professional career has been about. Um, and that's what this campaign was about. Excellent. Yeah. Gal, I heard from numerous people that are in your County that that reason that they voted for you was because they felt like you, you not only, you not only had these great ideas of how to improve the election system, but the the reason that you had these great ideas and where you they got them from was because you've already been boots in the ground. You've already been working on this because of your election integrity team and you've been working on it and you've done so much research. So you really were prepared. And I love that, that you didn't, and I know that's true because I know I was talking to you when you were dealing with that and it wasn't that you were, you, you didn't do that to run. You did it because you were concerned about our elections. And that is what we need. People that are involved and they see a problem and then they decide to run instead of having career politicians in there. You're a citizen, you're a regular citizen who just saw that we had a problem. You jumped in of your own free will and spent your time and your energy and your resources trying to find out what the problem is and how to fix it. And then you said, I will jump into this race and offer the citizens an excellent, excellent alternative. And I'm just thrilled that so many people saw what a great, a great option they had. And I'm just really impressed and I love it. And I'm really excited because I think when we have one County who really raises the bar and really instills a lot of these practices, it is not only going to stay in Salt Lake County. I think it will really affect our entire state and what a great County for it to start in. Couldn't be better to start in Salt Lake, the biggest, biggest County and the one more people are concerned about. Yeah, I agree with you. So do you have any other contenders? Yeah, I have a Democratic opponent now, so in the general elections, because I am the GOP nominee. Right, Um, so you don't have a primary, so you just have to... Okay, so how do you think... I mean, is that going to be a tight race? Is that a tough race? What do you think? How will that go? I think think this will be a tough race. The Democrats have held this this office for 32 years, continuously. uh, and so I, but I, but I do believe that people are looking for something new and they're looking for ideas that are achievable and people that are reasonable. And so I think we can take our ideas that are better and we can go. And I, and I promised my delegates, I will go to every corner of this County and I will seek and earn the votes of Democrats and independents. Cause I think we can win this in a landslide in the fall. Um, and that is my goal. 
we're going to take this message, uh, an inclusive message where we want everybody involved and we're going to win this. That is awesome. (laughs) I do think you can, because I think you're so well prepared and you have such a great message and it is people are hungry for it. And I love your ideas. I think you have so many great ideas and I love that you're so active and so involved with the public who, who also have great ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and if people want to get involved with the campaign, they can go to my website. It's goud, G-O-U-D, the number four, clerk.com. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us, Goud. And remember that you are the guardians of your liberty. Thank you. Thank you.